Welcome everybody to Comedy on Edge, the podcast. Big news, the Sydney Comedy Festival is around the corner and I've got a show in it. That's right, Tuesday, April 30th, Mark Williamson's Guns N' Roses is coming to town. As well, Dave the producer, Dave Keishan, is teaming up with friend of the show, Andrew Barnett, for Dave and Andrew's one-man show. That's on Tuesday, 7th of May, at the Factory Theatre. For tickets, visit sydneycomedyfest.com.au and for more information, visit comedyonedge.com. Now, let's start the show, Dave. Dave, hit the music. Welcome everybody to Comedy on Edge, the podcast. Lester, the interns here handling sound. I'm your host, Mark Williamson. And we're joined today by one, potentially two guests. Our first guest, Derek Flores. How are you? I'm doing very well, Mark. It's a lovely day here in Sydney. It is. It's actually a rarity. Normally when we organise podcast records, it's bucketing down with rain. So that makes it feel nice. Yeah. Now I'm just looking outside going, I wish I was out there. Yeah, no, we're sort of Edge HQ... Um, the windows are covered in bars because we live in a high crime area. Yeah. So it's kind of like we've locked you in for the day, you know. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Cool. So we get nursing a hangover, so it's good. Oh, that's good. Well, we've got a, a bag of lollies on the yeah, on the I bench, that. so that should keep you yeah. through. So, ju- judging by the accent, I take it you're not a, str- a local. No, <laughs> no, no. I'm from New Zealand. This I, is a Kiwi accent. Ah. No, I'm living in New Zealand now, but I'm Canadian. Are you Canadian? That, yes. Yeah. So did you grow up and then decide? You know, Canada's spit. Bit too fast paced for me. I'll go to New Zealand. No, I'll, kind of. I grew up in Canada, born and bred, and then about six, uh, seven years ago, I uh, fell in love with a Kiwi girl, and moved there, and that fell apart. But we have a kid, so I'm stuck. Ah, so you sort of you're over there, and you're like, I, yeah. love, I love the kid. I love yeah, the, the kid, so I'll uh, I'll sacrifice the rest of my career and joy for him. So, well, that, just like any good parent. That's good. good. Yeah. He's gonna get. He's gonna have that resent. So you know. Yeah, like, I'm gonna resent him like, from right now. He's good, but when he starts hating me. Then I'm going to shove it back in his face. You know, I could have been a contender kid. Yeah, you could have been someone. But judging, judging by like this is the wonderful world. Like we we met a few years ago, but with I love Facebook and Twitter because you know, like in comedy, there are people you run into every now and then. Normally, you see them at a festival, but now with Facebook and Twitter, you can sort of keep up with where everyone is. Yeah. You do you travel a bit? Like you've been to Canada this year or in the last year or so? Yeah, I, well. Um and you're in Sydney now, But of yeah, two years ago I had to leave New Zealand for immigration reasons. <laughs> uh, and then for the last two years, year and a half, I've been um, working to get my New Zealand residency wow. back. So, oh. so, it's actually... so I've, been, I've been away. I was on a cruise ship for a while, working on a cruise ship, doing shows in Toronto, back in my hometown, Australia, did a tour of Australia, and then back to New Zealand. So, so there's actually, it's hard to get a, a New Zealand residency? Well, like... I, I was asked to leave, so that made ah. it more difficult. Awkward. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was asked to leave, and then I had to clear things up. I had to play nice, uh, stay away for a bit, and then I've got uh, I've got all the proper paperwork. Uh, so, so you just I think you've explained to us why we're stuck with Russell Crowe. Yes, he was. I think he was asked to leave too. You know, you didn't throw a, a phone at a receptionist, did you? <laughs> no, no, I threw my cock in a woman. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> is that one of the c words I'm not supposed to say? No, that's, that's okay. okay. That's, that's okay. okay. Cock, cocks, we're fine with cock. Okay. Cock's a term of, effect, uh, of affection in Australia. Yeah, there you go, no. cock. One of the first times I came to Australia was like '94. Um, this is about the other c word that you told me not to say, but I won't say. <laughs> it. But. This is a story relating to it. When I first came here, I was with a group called the Three Canadians, and we were street performing throughout Australia. We hit Adelaide in 94, and that's how we kind of sort of broke there. But I remember shows, 
people would come up to us and uh, afterwards and go, "You guys are funny." Yeah. Uh, C word. <laughs> and for us Canadians, that was a shock because that word you do not ingest in anger. Nothing. You do not say that word. You don't even think that word. But here in Australia, it's a term of affection. Mm. Oh, you're a funny C. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that guy's a good C. Yeah. And so you know, I was 21, 22, and I heard that. Oh my god. <laughs> And, but then I realized, no, I'm going to love this country for being able to do that. There's just an openness about the things um, in Australia, things that just allow to happen. So. Did you sort of, did you ever get to the stage where, well, that guy liked us, you put it on the poster, the three Canadians, funny C-bombs. <laughs> <laughs> no, it didn't get that far. <laughs> not, not that far. Not that far, but um, it felt good to be able to be called that. <laughs> now, tell us about the three Canadians. Did you guys start in Can- uh, Canada and sort of take it on tour, or...? Well, yeah, we all three of us started at um, improv theater because we're all um, I'm improv trained. That's my, oh, okay. my trade. And we started at Loose Moose Theater, which is the home of Keith Johnstone, which is the home of theater sports. Oh, so all those games you played in high school, uh, I was I studied under the guy who created them oh. uh, or created the format. Um, so we learned improv since 15 years old, just working that that idea of failure is good, accept failure, <laughs> fail fail with a smile, be charming. Be positive, and those were the mantras we had. And we just went, "Hey, let's uh, let's take improv on the street," not realizing maybe you can't. Because we thought, "Hey, a failure, let's do that," and we failed for a good few years. And then we came to Australia and then succeeded. So I don't know what that says <laughs> yeah. about this country, but uh, you welcome the failure with open arms. We will. Over the years, we were lucky enough to be to get. Um, some good um, support in doing shows. Um, we were managed for a bit by Token and taken to Adelaide and Melbourne Comedy Festivals and Sydney Fringes. And I think we did one in the Sydney Comedy Festival when Pinder was in charge. And oh, yeah, yeah, when it was at a Parramatta, I think. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember where. But, uh, yeah, so we did it for quite a few years, but then personality things, it's just, it's as it happens. Was there, was there a, so it's kind of like a behind-the-scenes... Are any of the other types, are they still going, or are they... Um, Eric, the guy that I work with most, that I, I actually just finished working with uh, last uh, November, uh, he's still doing stand-up. He's just open for someone in Canada, the, the rising star. But the other, the third one is now the deputy mayor of a small northern Albertan town. That's that's a real... See, this would make a great comeback movie. Like, this would be yeah. a movie, wouldn't it? You Come know, on, guys. You go to the northern together. town, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, Main Street needs renovating and he's like... Yeah. Gotta go call the others, you know. Get you in New Zealand, yeah. You know, yeah. And he's got a he's got a beef with the other guys, so they've got to mend that first before we can do some comedy. Yeah, okay. fuck. No go. time. It's no <laughs> time. We gotta do book it. the town hall in the small town Providence. Let's do it. I think. I think we've got a movie here. I think yeah. we've got an idea. The feel good. It'll be a tearjerker. Yeah, it'll be a Canadian thing for us. You know, just getting this a TV movie of the week kind of thing. Well, so Canada's got like a great. The, your community TV over there has created. An amazing, like, S- is it SCTV? What's the one with Dave Foley? That, that's Kids in the Hole. Kids in the Hole, yeah. Kids in the Hole, that went mainstream, the Tom Green show. Yeah, yeah, yeah sort of. With Canada has does have a good pedigree for comedy. Mm. Like, SCTV, what you were thinking of, yeah. that came with John Candy, Eugene Levy. That, yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, Andrew Martin, Catherine O'Hara, Dan Aykroyd was, because mm. he's Canadian, he came out of Second City. I did, I did my time in Second City in Toronto as well. So, yeah, there's a good pedigree for it, and I think... Um, because Canadians have this, uh, we're right in the middle between English sensibilities, because we're English, but we're so close to the Americans, so we have that kind of unique 
we're looking over two fences. Yeah. And we're just watching. So we have that, I think, that we can draw from both. The, the wit, of the dry wit of the English with the bombacity of the American. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. you sort of see, like, Mike Myers, he talks about, like, being a massive Monty Python and British mm. sitcom fan. Yeah. Because he's through his father and that. So is this... So it's, it sounds like it's a very supportive place. I mean, community TV... Community TV exists in Australia, but it's pretty much a case of you fund it yourself, you make it yourself, and it'll get well, on. Well, that's the same as Canada. We had, it is? We, it's better here, because we've only got the one channel. We've got the uh. CBC. You've got ABC, SBS... You guys actually, and you actually give your comedian what? Uh, San Simmons has got a TV show, <laughs> yeah. which is amazing. Oh, it's a great show, yeah. With but Canada would never produce that because oh, really? we don't because we import we the the saying is we export our talent and import our entertainment. Oh. So we just buy American things. But how did cheap. like I mean, looking at that, like Simmons' show is brilliant. Quote the Tom Green show. Like I remember watching that as a ten that. How did that get on? <laughs> I think there was... Um, that Sam's was, never humped a dead moose. <laughs> that was community yeah. TV in Ottawa that they got oh. into, like a late night thing. And then I think an American picked it up and took it. Um, went to MTV, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like we were just talking about, he was a rapper, rapper first, so he got, he got uh, recognition with that and then was able to go off. What happens, like um, Sean Cullen, member of the Corky and the Juice Pigs, he had to leave when the Juice Pigs broke up. Phil went to London and, and uh, Sean went to LA. And he did a lot of things with Leno. Uh, it was like a, a reporter on the street. Oh, yeah. And ABC kept him on, on commission to, uh, trying to find something for him. I think for three or four years they were just holding him, paying him just to be in LA, but not develop, trying to find a development deal for him. It's wow. really funny. Yeah. But nothing happened. So he came back to Canada and was able to get on TV, get radio, do movies. So that's what happens with a lot of our Canadians is they go to the States, mess around for three, four years, not get anything, and then come back home and are able to write stuff and produce stuff because they have that that attachment of being in the States. Ah, well, where, whereabouts in Canada are you from? Calgary, Western... Uh, Calgary, yeah. Alberta, Canada? That's the one. Now, it's... what what. It's pretty fine. You got the Calgary Stampede. That's right. That's where um, we take uh, we get horses and get them run around a loop. And every two or three years, we shoot three or four of them for breaking their legs. Oh, oh. Yeah, so it's nice. It's a, it's a good down home kind of thing. That didn't get in the PR, man. No, 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 no. Like uh, we always miss that. See, Calgary is also there's also another famous family from Calgary. Yes, and we were talking about it. Wrestling, the Hart family. Yes, Stu Hart. Uh, created his famous dungeon, the dungeon in one of the basements of Southwest Calgary, which, uh, for those of you who don't know, is uh, the Hart Foundation, Owen Hart, Brad Hart, uh, Jim the Anvil, Knight Hart, uh, all these family of wrestlers, WWF yeah. guys. It's sort of like, it's a family. Stampede wrestling. Yeah, it's a family of wrestlers that were massive, but also when you look, pick through the ashes of what they are now, very tragic family too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like, great, like, this is maybe, I'm a wrestling nerd, um, as is Lester the intern. How big are the hearts in Calgary? Is it a case of, like, are they massive over there, or has it just been overstated by the time No, 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 it was never overstated. It was never overstated. Uh, the Stampede Wrestling was huge, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of those guys came out of there. Uh, a lot of the guys, everyone had to kind of come through the Stampede Wrestling circuit. Yeah, well... Uh, but they were never huge. They were just an institution. Yeah, because it's funny, like, in Brett's book, which... Is if you're a wrestling, if you're not a wrestling fan, it is a good read because it just talks about a guy who kind of found himself in the family business. Brett wanted to be a filmmaker; he never wanted to be a wrestler, but he <laughs> sort of 
of the hut, they've got like 12 kids. Yeah. And you look through the kids, genetically, Brett and Owen are the two that actually have the physiques to wrestle. The others, they don't have it. So Brett found himself in this instance and there's resent. He talks about his, his dad goes from, like they all love their father, but he really is a sadistic old man. Oh yeah, he took them down to the basement and he would hurt them. Like he would wrestle them and not let anyone up until they were screaming. Well, Brett had, um, there's a story in his book when I think he was about eight or nine where his dad's got him in a chokehold and he's whispering in his ear, hey, come on, Shani, you're breathing your last breath here. I'm going to take your breath. And it's like, this is your kid. You're telling your kid he's breathed his last breath. And he's like, oh, I love my dad. I'm like, really? Well, he's he's dead, dead now, Brett. It's okay. He can't hurt you anymore. He's got 11 more kids. Uh, yeah, well, so there was just one. Uh, no, actually, actually the, nine. They lost two. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, th- I, th- yeah, I remember it being tragic. Yeah. Um... They are, they were always there. They're never in the papers except when they were, were tipping our hats to them. Mm. So it's never been our tragic family of Calgary. They're just sort of quiet respect, and especially yeah. what happened to Owen um, when he passed. Ooh, the the hearts were just left alone. Oh, yeah. Just left alone, man. Just let those guys, yeah, if they had a hard enough time, just let them go. But it's funny, like, Owen, the tragedy of Owen dying, there was another brother, I think Dean, he died about 10 years earlier from kidney problems. Not one of his twelve siblings would give him a donated kidney. That's a bit. That's a bit messed up. Like yeah. they, it is a. It's something like Bret Hart is probably my favorite wrestler, but reading his book and just what I've learned, it's really messed up. He's pretty angry to Vince, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's sort of. Yeah. He's Vince fucked him over. Yeah, but I mean, when you talk about that, he got sacked for. Oh, he got told from WWE couldn't afford him. They were going through financial times. They wanted to go with younger wrestlers. Right. Vince said, "Go and get a deal with WWE, the opposition." Brett walked away from a million dollar deal with the WWE to a three million dollar deal with the WCW. Right. And yeah, sure, he wasn't the world, he, he still was world champion, but he wasn't the number one in WCW. He was still earning more money. I mean, he yeah. ended up earning $12 million from WCW. Yeah, he's a bit. I think Brett, from what I read, he's someone who believes that he is a superhero. And yeah, yeah. sort of that. Funny enough, like um, um, me and my buddy Eric from the Three Canadians, we used to host a talk show in Calgary. Yeah, and um, we were back. We were we were both back in Calgary, um, November, and we had a chance to uh, do two of them, sort of get back together, yeah. get the band to- back together. And for our second show, that I sadly wasn't there, we had Brett the Heart, oh. uh, Brett the Hitman, as our guest, and it was as easy as just emailing his website and saying, "Hey, we're a Calgary show, and we want you to be on it." <laughs> wow! And like two weeks later, um, his wife, who's his personal secretary, uh, called and said, "Okay, okay." Wow! We don't we don't pay anything, and he didn't he didn't ask for money. He just showed up, had a chat, had a chat, for ten minutes, and then left. And uh, wow. b- by all appearances, it was fantastic, and it was Brett, uh, you know. So he's contactable and approachable. And he's still selling the sunglasses on his <laughs> website. Still sun- uh, on his website, you can still get the sunglasses. Well, what I'm thinking here, Lester, shoot off an email. We might do a phone-in podcast. Um, unless there's, if there's a company out there that wants to sponsor us to go to Calgary to interview the hitman, you know, sure. Me and Lester and Dave, we'll get the crew. We, we travel cheap. We'll, we'll go budget yeah, yeah. airlines. We'll go over there. Yeah, we'll do it live from the improv over there. He would love to do it. He's been doing stuff... Um, he was doing stuff in Toronto, like there's a like a Saturday Night Live thing in, in Toronto um, called Sunday Night Live, 
uh, and he was a guest. Like, oh. he came in, read some scenes, and did it. And it was like, it's really budget. It's no SNL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is a weekly sketch show and that has guests. And is it live or TV? It's live. Oh. Um, and, uh, yeah, he did it. So he's got nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> I got a pile of money, only memories. Let's go do it. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Heck, I wonder if we got Tuesday nights at the library. Do you reckon he'll come down and do five? <laughs> you know? sure. Mick Foley's touring doing stand-up. Yeah, we saw him the other week. He's doing, he's doing well with his yeah, stand-up. He's a, he's a literate man. It's a lot, like a lot of the wrestlers, like Chris Jericho's um, doing his music. He's got his side project with music. A couple of other wrestlers, Raven and Colt Cabana, you may not know because they're not like massive level. They're doing stand up. Oh, it's nice. sort of like, yeah, wrestlers are sort of like becoming. I think UFC's taken off and wrestling, it's not as popular as it once was, but these guys have got their fan bases and they're like, well, how can I do? I yeah. mean, Mick can barely walk upstairs these days, so, you know, wrestling's out, so he's got to earn the crust somehow. Yeah, and he's, he writes, right? That's where yeah. he, he's written a couple of books. He's and... number one bestsellers. Like, yeah. yeah, he's topped the charts. Yeah, well, I think. Um... I think there's, especially with those guys, some of the older guys, you just realize you come to a point in your life and you look back and go, what uh, the fuck have I done? <laughs> and then you try to make a more lasting impact. I don't know. Well, it must be, I mean, for me, like, just looking at the psychology of, like, Bret Hart in particular, like, he was, ma- I mean, imagine we do gigs, comedy gigs, a good night for us, maybe three, four hundred people, you get a massive ovation and you feel great. Yeah. Imagine, you know, Bret Hart... SummerSlam peaked at 92, 80,000 people yeah. cheering him on. The adrenaline from that, like, they walk away, they must crave that. Like, that... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's like an addiction. Like, you can understand, like, in the 80s, you know, cocaine was massive from in the wrestling sort of point of view. And so it's sort of to fuel that drug, the adrenaline. Oh, it would be amazing. Yeah, oh, yeah, like you said, you do a good show in front of 20 mm. people, you fucking, you're yeah. flying for a week. <laughs> yeah. 80,000 people just screaming your name with your picture on their on their T-shirts. Oh. Yeah, it is I enough. That, like, and this is the old man reminiscing, when we were three Canadians at the height, when we did Ben-Hur Redux at, uh, at Adelaide in, like, 2000, I think, uh, we were playing to a 600-seater. And, you know, we had to have the, the headset mics wow. so everyone could hear us. And just that, I was like, wow, this is amazing. We did it for three weeks, and then we did it again in Melbourne. We played, uh, we were always playing the AF, but that time we played, uh, this went across from the AF. Anyway, Carl Barron was on after us. And so it was, yeah, we go, yes, 600 people on the weekends love us. And you, you fucking invincible with that yeah. kind of energy and then life happens and, and then you're struggling to get gigs I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well you've sort of turned your hand like you're still performing you're still but you've, you're managing now I do manage now I, like, I, like you said I, I do improv I do a lot of improv now um, mostly improv and, and I found um, oh, it's coincidental we've been talking about wrestling that mm. uh, I've been managing this um, a wrestler from the 80s uh, El Jaguar who used to mm. wrestle Back in the day with the, the rest of the WWF superstars. And uh, he, he was like me. Our, our paths are kind of very, very similar in that we, I found him in a lull as well. Yeah. Like a creative and artistic lull. And he, he started doing, telling stories and trying to be motivational to his audiences. And I've helped him reach a wider crowd. And it's, it's a unique thing to do is trying to book gigs for someone other than yourself. But, uh, yeah, well, I remember the first time you tried to sell El Jaguar to me. It's like... <laughs> I got this ex wrestler, and I'm like, like yeah, it's sort of like you know, like at least this was before Foley. Like LJ was probably a pioneer for the wrestlers oh, doing yeah, stand up, yeah, yeah. and I was like, and I remember seeing him. It was 
because it's not in a small club. The audience was it was very low, and this wrestler comes because he wears the mask. The full, yeah, well, the, he, part of the because he's a Mexican wrestler, he's a mm, luchador. That's part of yeah. the, the heritage. Your your father gives you the mask, mm. and from that day on, you don't take it off. Right. Yeah, yeah. Even like you, he doesn't. He wears it like twenty four seven. Yeah, much. yeah, yeah. I well, I have no you've idea. Never, you've never seen him without the mask. I've never seen him without the mask. I, he goes to bed with it, and as soon as I, I've woken him up at like five thirty in the morning to catch flights, and the mask is on. Well, that yeah, that that so. the history of that like just just to signify how in the eight, the seventies or eighties with wrestling, um, there's a wrestler called Mister Wrestling Two. I'm sure LJ Glass probably fought him along the way. Somewhere, yeah. Yeah, and um, Mr. Wrestling 2 was involved in a plane crash with Rick F- Rick Flair was in it. He broke his back. Um, Greg Valentine's father, his name escapes. But there was like wrestlers. John. One, John Valentine, thanks, Celeste. He broke his back, never wrestled again. They're all... But Mr. Wrestling 2 was in this plane crash. But when the ambulance came, because they all, all of them went to the hospital except for Mr. Wrestling 2. Turns out, I think he either broke a leg. Like, he was seriously beat up. Because he was a good guy and he was with the bad guys, just to keep protect the industry, he wrestled that night with career threatening injuries. Just no, I wasn't in that plane crash. Like though it was big news that they were in the plane crash, and he went to hospital the next day. And they're like, "You look like you've been in a plane crash." Oh no, no, no! My opponent did this to me in the ring, mm-hmm. and he went into pl- hospital with the mask on. They had he had a cut. Like it was clear there was blood through there, and he would not take the mask off to be treated. It's uh, yeah, that I'm. Um... Yeah, the blue-eyed and the heels thing, man. That's mm. people really go yeah. deep into it. And luckily, El Jaguar's always been a blue-eyed boy. You yeah. know, he's always been a hero. He's uh, fallen on some hard times. You know, in in life, you 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 can't just always be the blue eye. So he's had some heel. He's been a heel in his life, but uh, well, probably it does sell the merchandise when you're the bad guy. Yeah. So that's one thing we're just trying to get on. Maybe for uh, Sydney Comedy Festival, we'll have some merch. Well, 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 we should sort of the big announcement and those who check out sydneycomedyfest.com.au. El ja- you're producing El Jaguar's coming. Yeah, what? he's coming. It's it's the show's called The Return of El Jaguar, uh, and he's doing a whole show. There's not much wrestling in it other than wrestling demons, <laughs> uh, but and there's a lot of that. Uh, but it's just him sort of uh, bringing some positivity and talking about his life in the gutter, I guess. Oh, that's perfect. And where, where do you know dates? Yes. Uh, 25th, 26th, 27th at the Matchbox. The Matchbox. 9.30pm. That's at the Factory Theatre yeah. in Marrickville, or Marrickville and more. Check out tickets. Um, we don't, like, go see the show. El Jaguar is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I'll be there probably one or two nights. He's, he, I've I've been enjoying watching him. I, last night we were at uh, Chatswood. Chatswood. And he started climbing through the crowd. Oh. Uh, so that was I think that scared a few of the Chatswoodians. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, did, is it's how does liability work with Eljack? Like, uh, oh, I know that so much paperwork. So much, yeah. So much paperwork having to focus on that and. Uh, yeah, I don't want to bore you with the details, but, but yeah, there's there's a lot of paperwork. Do you sort of how do you, how does it work with managing him? Like, I'd imagine you sort of like you know when did you was he gigging before you met him, or did you sort of lead him towards the stand up? I saw him doing a couple of gigs, but he had no focus, right? Yeah, he, he was just sort of rambling, and I sort of honed it in for him and tell him, okay, let's get to this point, let's do this point, because he's got the natural charisma from yeah. his days on the stage, mm-hmm. and he's he's. He's exerting a lot of energy out there, so I'm trying to focus it instead of just sh- uh, shotgun, fucking laser it. Yeah, how does he go with hecklers? Like, is it sort of a case of like in wrestling, if someone invades the ring, they'll 
kick there. Has he? Has there been issues there where you've sort of said no, don't body slam? Yeah, that's, like. I always try, I always tell him don't get physical. Yep. Um, but he's he's trying to find a whole new positive positive spin, and he wants to hear what people have to say. If they've chosen to speak at that moment, that must mean they were moved by something, by some divine inspiration mm. to communicate. So he wants to understand what it is they're saying. He really is the like the rock kind of took his moniker. He really was the people's wrestler. Well, he, I think he was just um, he's just very sensitive to what people want, and uh, that to the detriment sometimes of the show <laughs> that he'll get sidelined and sidetracked by things that perhaps you should have left, um, or uh, or else it'll be a great twenty minute diversion. Um, but yeah. So he's just really trying. He loves hecklers if they're you know willing to play the game. If they're just mean, mm. he'll uh, you know he'll bring the verbal smackdown. Yeah, he'll he'll bring what the thing is smelling and cooking. Interesting. Well, is I know I know it's before midday. Is there a chance? I know he's he's here. Do you reckon he'll be able to come say a few words on the podcast? Uh, we'll um we'll see if he's. I know I. Yeah. I think we, I'm going to get him to do it because this, I think this would be good we'll, we'll for your listeners. Much. Absolutely. Um, I think this would be good for him to talk to the Sydney people because he doesn't really um, have much of a presence here. So I think it would be fantastic. Yeah. Oh, so well, what we might do, we might have a little break. Okay. And hopefully when we come back, we'll be with El Jaguar. Sounds good. Excellent. Well, after some convincing, Derek's gone downstairs. He's had, he's had, he's had, Derek's actually had to pop off to the shops and get, get a little bit of, bit of merchandise for El Jaguar to perform. So... We are here, ladies and gentlemen, we're blessed. El Jaguar, welcome Hello. to the podcast. Gracias, gracias, muchas gracias a todos. Thank you very much. Uh, the podcast is nice. Um, you've got a nice place here, thank you. Oh, thank you. It's an honor to be like, how do, you're coming to the Sydney Comedy Festival. How does it feel? Oh, it feels really good. I've, I've never been to, I've been to Sydney a couple of times before, but being part of the festival is the first time for me. So I'm really excited. I'm in a nice, tiny, airless room. <laughs> um, I, I hear great things about the, so I'm glad it's in winter the festival and not in the deeps of summer. The Matchbox Theater. So Match, well, you've you've done it all in wrestling. You've headlined Madison Square oh, Garden. Yes, yes. How does it feel like? Obviously, like when you did you so, did you request the small? You thought you know I don't want the big rooms yet. I just want the small room working it. You feel like you're working your way up through the ranks like you did with wrestling. Yes, yeah. Like I I I fell pretty far. <laughs> I'm like uh, like Icarus. I, fell, I went too close to the sun and I fell and now I'm just like, I'm happy if I can get back to the middle. The middle? I don't want to get any further. I just want to be able to provide for my family and just, you know, make it, get home at night and sleep in a bed. Sleep in a bed? It's... Yeah, that would be nice. That would be up from some of the years that I've had. What do you think was the fallout, like your, your former tag team with Coco Beware? Yes. Well, where did it go wrong? Like, Coco's recently gone into the Hall of Fame with the WWF. You weren't there, I noticed. No, no, El Jaguar wasn't. I think um, there was a lot of penises in vaginas that El Jaguar should not have done. Ah. And so that caused a lot of problems at home, which caused a lot of problems in El Jaguar's psyche. And then poor choice after poor choice, and then having a son and not being able to see him, and then... Yeah, financial decisions that El Jaguar is not very capable of making, and a fair bit of drinking. Bit of drinking, bit yeah. of drinking, and sort of. Do you do you ever ever? So there's no like comedy. Thankfully for us, we're thankful you've gone into comedy. There'll be no return to wrestling. Well, like I say, uh, 
the shows are just like wrestling. I take the audience and I square off with them and we circle each other for the whole night and then we, we touch each other, we poke each other and then we get into the wrestling lock and then we flop it. It's like kind of, it's either sex or wrestling. It's a little bit of both. We just a little bit of, and then I pin you, and then you kick out after two, and then you're on top of me, and we grind a little bit. Um, so that's kind of like the show. It's like a wrestling match where there's no winner. No, but, uh, no winner, definitely no losers. There's no losers, but there's no winners. It's like someone came with a chair and hit the audience in the back of the head, and they have to leave. Wait, that's not a good way to explain no, no, the show. No, 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 I, I, think, think. I think, no, but, I mean, a chair shot is a thing of beauty, if done well. If done well, it's fantastic, because then it, you just hear the ringing, but you don't feel the pain. No, well, it's reminding, like, you, at your height, like, I don't think people grasp how big a wrestler you are. You're famous for Mexico City, um, I think it was 1982, when you went, mm. you and Hulk, Hulk Hogan did the six-hour draw. We did, we were in Mexico City, this is my home, uh, and we... Like, he was at the top of his game, and mm. El Jaguar, obviously, hometown boy there. Yeah. And we just, you get into a rhythm, and it was like those six hours were 20 minutes. We were surprised at how long it was. It was just like poetry motion. I pick Hulk up, and then there was this move. I had him up here in the sky, and he grabbed my wrist, and as he fell, I kicked up, and we circled all the way around. And I landed on my foot, and then I picked him up, and we did like three or four of these double cartwheels through the ring. It was, it was like the Bolshoi, but for wrestling. It's it's a shame that there was like due to legal restraints, the footage. I've seen a copy of that tape. No one else will because it's Hulk. Hulk's ex-wife actually owns the footage. Yes, it's a shame. Yes, and and because what we did to the goat midway through the the wrestling match, you you can do that in Mexico. But you cannot do that in the United States. They have protection, and, and good for that. The goats need the protection. But at that time, it was lawless, and that poor goat really took the brunt of what we had to give it. But the people loved it. Like, oh, people, fuck! Was... The first two rows were covered in goat's blood, but they loved, they were yelling for more. I understand people were like, were going up to you with the ticket afterwards, asking you to sign El Jaguar in blood. Yes. Goat's blood. Oh, yeah. oh, yes. It was a co- well, it was a combination of my blood, the goat's blood, and Hulk Hogan's blood. So it was just a... Yeah, it was a dangerous time. Cause it, was, it was. HIV was just coming out, so... Yeah, who know where that goat was? Thankfully, be. you guys went with the goat and not the monkey. Yes. We, we could have had... Cause <laughs> maybe that's how AIDS started, a wrestling match in Africa. Yeah, because that... Those are very popular in Mexico, the monkey matches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's a monkey in a cage above the ring, and you'd have to fight to get the ladder to release the monkey, and then you beat your opponent to death with a Reese monkey. Oh, the heydays of wrestling. Those were the... Those little, people think they had gimmicks now. Back in the day, they had more gimmicks. Like the first one to the horror gimmick, that was a good one. That was popular. Popular, popular yeah. You had to win the heart of a prostitute. I think Ric Flair's um, still doing those matches. <laughs> Not paid, but just out of the ring. Just out of the ring, on the streets. When you're walking through his hometown, you see him propositioning horse. <laughs> So he's sad, man. Oh, he is. He's, he, he hasn't. He hasn't had that. Like, cause you hit rock bottom. Rick. Rick has hit rock bottom, but I don't think he knows he's hit rock bottom. You have to let go, and you mm. got to believe in something. That's what the AA people tell you. And Lil Jaguar spent some time in the AA, uh, and then he's moved on from that because God doesn't exist. Or else, <laughs> why would he let 
what happened to El Jaguar happened. When you who who was there for, when you hit rock bottom? Who was it? Was it Derek? Was it comedy? Was it AA? Or was it was there? A, well, we talk about probably not God, but was there a higher power that guided you back? There was nothing. For a while, El Jaguar spent six months curled up in his apartment, just crying, eating Pringles, and then eventually. El Jaguar is a spirit animal that was passed down from my father to me and I will pass it down to my little son when he becomes of age. Uh, the Jaguar is the spirit animal between the gods and the peoples. So like a voice to the peoples. Like kind of like, a, like Mercury is for the Greeks. He's a messenger. And I remember there crying, eating the Pringles. And then a roar came out of my mouth. Roar! I said, and the jaguar once again was born. He was weak, but he was hungry. And that's when I went walking through the streets, and I found the open mic night. And I said, and that first time was not good. It was ten minutes of me roaring into a <laughs> microphone. Um, but the, the subsequent times have gotten better. The roaring has got less and less. So now it only comprises probably five percent of the show. Five percent. Well, a good five percent. And now yes. you've sort of found. Now, where did, where did you come across Derek? Where was it? Was it an open mic night? You found him? Yes, yes. I saw him there, lurking in the back with his little improv troupe. Uh, he's doing an improv troupe called Thin Ice, and they're you know because they're walking on thin ice. <laughs> uh, not the one of his best decisions, but. And we started talking, and he was a fan from the days, and we just chatted, chatted, and he had some good theories of comedy, and we just started working, throwing ideas back and forth, and it just sort of worked. It worked? Yeah. Is, is there any truth? The movie The Wrestler, the Darren Onoski. Oh, yes. Is it true that it's loosely based on your life? It is fully based on my life. Ah. Uh, Mickey Rourke spent uh, six weeks living with me, and we got up to some hellious behavior. Uh... Yeah, because we called up Gary Busey, and the three of us <laughs> oh, went on a dare. And uh, it was horrible. There was, it, let's just say, a goat could have been involved. It was that kind of uh, shenanigans. But, uh, you know, we, we learned a lot from each other, because Mickey Rourke also had hit bottom, mm -hmm. Gary Busey as well. So we mm -hmm. just swapped stories about being what El Jaguar likes to call the miserable hour. Because all comedians and performers feel that, like, after the show you're high, and then you hit, when the adrenaline leaves, then you start questioning everything about your life. <laughs> That's the miserable hour, and that I had that for about 10 years, where it's just going, fuck. And, but now El Jaguar's tired of feeling like that, so he's clawing his way just to a, a small shaft of sunlight. And this is what this show is about, is El Jaguar... Not only finding sunlight within himself, but also bringing sunlight to other peoples and trying to inspire them. Well, so, that, yeah, doing that, inspiring people, trying to find people's inner totem animal. Now, at the, at the festival, so we've established any chance of a goat, a goat at the show? No goats at the show. Well, it depends, because I, I ask audience members to envision what their spirit animal would have been. Ah. And if there is someone with a goat, perhaps we can work with that because goats are known to be stubborn. So that would be a good wrestler, someone who is stubborn and fights with their head. So it's no, it's probably no coincidence that he went with, I mean, the wrestler, he was Randy the Ram Robinson. Exactly. Oh. This, we're at the base of it, we are all animals. Mm. Which animal do you choose to be? Mm? Mark, what would animal would you be 
What is your spirit animal? I think I'd be an eagle. An eagle soaring high. I would fly away. Yes. <laughs> when there's problems, I'd problem. fly away. No. I run. I saw. But also, if your little nest was threatened, you would come out with the claws. Yeah, absolutely. You'd yes, come back. You'd yes. come back. So this is how good is this, but ladies and gentlemen? You go. You get to see El Jaguar at the Sydney Comedy Festival, and you get to discover your spirit animal. Exactly. My show is like a cross between the uh, Mickey Rourke and Tony Robbins. It's an interesting mix. That's interesting mix. <laughs> Does that work? Does I, I, I'm hoping you're not doing the fire walk because Anthony Robbins, he likes to get his people to walk across fire. Yeah, I do that metaphorically. Metaf- yeah, yeah. <laughs> walk, walk across the fire in your heart. <laughs> walk your spirit animal yeah, across Yeah, walk your spirit fire. animal across and see who you discover in the ashes because you will get burned. <laughs> now, in wrestling, like it's quite common to set up like a feud You'd, like you know, you'd, you'd be wrestling, and then maybe a wrestler might interfere in your matches. Do you ever sort of worry that one day you're going to be doing your show, and maybe out of the out of the the lights, Coco Beware might come back on stage? Actually, when I started out doing stand up for many years, I was in Wellington and elsewhere. El Jaguar had a, a stalker that would follow him, oh. and he he had a nemesis, and his name was El Heclor. <laughs> and El Heclor would stand in the back of the room just yelling things at me and we'd get into fights all the time so uh, hopefully he's not come all the way to Sydney but uh, who knows there might, who knows there might be a chance for it to happen that's the thing about an El Jaguar show sometimes the best laid plans just fall apart <laughs> Uh, El Jaguar was at the comedy store on Thursday and um, he got derailed because a woman wanted to touch his balls. <laughs> wow. Well, she said, I asked her, what, so what do you do for a living? And she said, I touch wrestlers' balls. <laughs> and if she just told me what she did for a living, I'm a teacher. I would have left her alone. Oh. But because she said she touched wrestlers' balls, the next four or five minutes were me convincing her to touch my balls. And then eventually she did, and I was able to move on. So who knows what could happen? It's not that that happens all the time, but when it does, El Jaguar will take advantage. He's ready to go. Well, ladies and gentlemen, go see the show. There's goats, there's Tony Robbins. There's fire, there's animals, there's you being inspired to embrace failure. Uh, Now, El Jaguar, are you on Facebook or Twitter? El Jaguar has a... F- yeah, find me on Facebook. Thank you. El Jaguar always forgets about this. <laughs> I know, Derek, Derek left me with specific instructions. Yes. El Jaguar's got the... On Facebook, look up El Jaguar. But don't go for the Mexican country singer named El Jaguar. Oh. There's a Tejano singer named El Jaguar. Look for El Jaguar. We're very close together. I think he's number one because he's got a lot of likes. And El Jaguar's only got like 157 likes. We need to fix that later. Well, I'd like, like to fix that by the time I get back to Sydney's. Well, definitely. So check out the Facebook page. Go to the Sydney Comedy Festival show. See El Jaguar's show. Also, I'm doing a show there too. Mark Williamson's right. Guns N' Roses. Yes. Check out that What's show. What's that one all about? You got a band, You got an orchestra behind you while you tell yeah, stories? Pretty much. I'm going to talk, tell the history of Guns N' Roses backed by three cello players. Fuck, nice. Yeah. November Rain? November, well, <laughs> maybe. It's a, it's a, twi- a 15-minute song, so that's a good good portion of the show. That's a, that means a show. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's throwing a strange. That's the show. So, yeah. Well, you, you can start off with November Rain, but you got to get to that part where they... Dun, 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 dun. Oh, absolutely. That's a good part. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe El Jaguar could come and jam with the band. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, El Jaguar does Guns N' Roses. I can get the shaky egg. Oh. And I just shake the egg. <laughs> 
This sounds great. Ladies, if you're not excited about the Sydney Comedy Festival, you do not... Sweet child of mine! Oh, ladies and gentlemen, make sure you check it out. Thank you, El Jaguar. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Lester, the intern. Lester, the intern. Hopefully your manager, Derek, will get back soon. We're going to wrap up the show, so we won't be able to thank... But thank you, Derek. Check out El Jaguar. Check out me. Check out... Follow Lester on Twitter. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to Comedy on Edge, the podcast. If you listen to this on iTunes, give us five stars. It costs you nothing and it helps us heaps. Have a good week. Thank you. 